from the book God is Just Like Jesus. You can find us on the web at GodIsJustLikeJesus.com. This is after Jesus has been raised from the dead and the disciples and Thomas have a few issues and uh, Jesus' response is good. So first I'm going to read you Luke 24, 9 through 11. When they came back from the tomb, that's the women, they told all these things to the, to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with him who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and it went away, wondering to himself what had happened. All right. Now I'm going to read you two more passages. This one's John 20, 24 through 29. Um, so sometime after that passage, Jesus goes and, and uh, he shows up and meets all of them, except Thomas isn't there. So let's uh, see what he has to say about that. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord! And they're excited. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then I'm going to read you one more passage. <clears throat> this is Luke 24, 36 through, 30, through 45. And this is after the two disciples have seen Jesus on the road to Emmaus. So it's like, uh, Mary Magdalene was the first person to see Jesus and um, which is awesome because it's 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 in a male-dominated culture and this is a woman that that is honored to see Jesus first so that's pretty cool you got to know Jesus just highly honors women um, then it looks like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus Cleopas and another disciple have this whole interchange with with Jesus they don't recognize him but um, they talk to Jesus. And then there's a real interesting verse in Luke 24. It seems that Jesus meets with Peter just one-on-one. -on -one. We don't know what the content of that is. But you can find that one sentence where it says, Peter's also seen the Lord in Luke 24. And then um, he meets with the ten because Judas hidden there and Thomas hidden there. And then the second time he meets a whole group of them, Thomas is there, so it's the eleven with all the other disciples. And then the third time he meets him is on the Sea of Galilee. And that's up in Galilee itself, which is 40 or 50 or 60 miles north of uh, Jerusalem. And then he spends 40 days with them. And then they come back to Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit falls on them and, you know, the revival breaks out. But that's kind of the, the breakdown I can ascertain from the scriptures on chronologically what's happening. Okay, so this is Luke 24, 36 through 45. While, oh, and this is after the two disciples, Cleopas and the other one, had come back from 
from walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. Um, so they come back, they talk to him, they tell the, the 11 disciples, the 10 disciples, I'm sorry, we've seen Jesus. And it says, while they're still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still, not did, they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Okay, take a moment and talk at least uh, to, to the group of people you're with, or if, if you're just listening to this on your own, describe the ten, the ten disciples' response when the women come and tell them, we saw Jesus. What it, you know? What's the, the response of the ten? And then describe the response of Thomas when the ten tell Thomas we've seen the Lord. All right, hit pause and then come back. So this is a, this is a great one to hit because Mary Magdalene sees Jesus first, right? And, and uh, her and the other women go and tell the disciples and they don't believe her. So, and it's, it's so great to have this in scripture because it's just one of the things that convinces me scripture's so true and just wrote down what happened because nobody writing a book trying to convince people would just lay out the sins and failures of the disciples over and over and over. They'd want to make the main characters the heroes, right? Well, the 10 don't believe them, don't believe the women, and it's just unbelief. It's a lack of faith. Jesus told them, I'll rise from the dead. He predicted what would happen on numerous occasions, and then when the whole thing happens and you know, it doesn't quite work out the way they think it's going. Why didn't he appear to us first? But it doesn't. He appears to the ladies and they don't believe it. And Peter goes and takes a look and he still can't get his brain around it. So that's pretty interesting. And then, of course, uh, later when Jesus does show up, Thomas is not there. And they say, actually, we've seen the Lord. And he doesn't believe it. And, and he's like, gosh darn it, if I don't put my finger in his hand and my hand in his side, like, I'm not going there. And you just have to wonder what all's going on with Thomas. And I don't know about you, and you might take a minute to hit pause, but what if Jesus showed up and you weren't there? How would you feel? Hit pause for a second and just process that. Think, how would I feel? And come back. So... You know, me personally, I'd be really hurt, right? You spend all this time with him, this unbelievable thing happens, he comes back alive after all these struggles and all these events and last, and, and I wasn't there. I mean, I would be devastated. And, um, and when I get hurt, I get angry. And so, I'm not saying this is what Thomas is doing, it's possible, but I could pretty much be saying the same thing. Man, unless I see for myself, I'm not believing it, you know, because I'm fed up, hurt and angry, that I didn't get to see Jesus. And, um, and he may have other reasons, it may just be 
raw unbelief, but whatever it is, there's a lot going on with Thomas. So, and I think it's great to get this in scripture because so many people struggle and think, oh, you know, it's bad if I doubt. Well, it's, it's not. I mean, the disciples doubted all 11 of them uh, that were left. The 10 didn't believe the women. Thomas didn't believe the rest. It's just good to get good old fashioned unbelief and doubt and sin in there. And then we can look at it. That was the main guys. So anyone that struggles with unbelief, they're in good company, right? Whether it's believing that Jesus actually exists or God exists or believing that he really took our sins onto himself. He took the bullet that was meant for us and he jumped in the way and died in our place. Whatever our doubt and unbelief is, we've got great examples of, of the main dudes struggling with that, okay? So now, take a moment and um, articulate with yourself or your group of people, what's Jesus's response, right? What does he not do and what does he do, all right? So take a moment and talk about how Jesus could respond if he was a Pharisee, which thank God he's not, and what he doesn't do and then what Jesus does do and then come back. Well, I love this passage because when he shows up and he stands among them, after the women have told the 10 he's alive, he doesn't accuse them like, oh my gosh, I told you guys how many times, I mean, at least three, four, five times, I was gonna be, I was gonna die and I was gonna come and be raised from the dead. And the women come and tell you it's happening, and you won't even believe it, right? He doesn't accuse them, um, he doesn't condemn them. And when you look at these verses, he shows up and the first thing he says is, peace be with you. And then he says, why are you troubled? Why are doubts rising in your mind? minds? Look at my hands and feet. It's I myself. Touch me and see. You know, he's saying a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. And then he says, do you got something to eat? And he actually eats a physical piece of fish to prove that he's not a disembodied spirit. And then he starts, you know, talking to him about the, the scriptures being fulfilled. And so the whole thing, he opens it up it's just good to call it out time and time again. No rejection, right? Oh, I, you know, I can't believe you guys didn't believe. You know, I'm getting other disciples. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. There's none of that from Jesus. What he does is he speaks peace first, which is encouragement, right? You got to love seeing just the encouragement of Jesus. And then he starts instructing them patiently and then starts challenging them, right? Which is all good. Why are doubts arising? Touch me and see, you know, give me a piece of fish to eat. And he responds to their unbelief in very um, kind ways, ways of instruction and ways of challenge, right? There's nothing wrong with challenge. And then when we look at Thomas, when Jesus shows up, again, he starts with encouragement, peace be with you. And then he looks at Thomas and says, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand, put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas responds, not only my Lord, but my God. He's got the revelation finally now. He's not just the physical Messiah like King David as a human being to restore Israel, but he's also got the revelation, you're human, but you're also God. 
And so he's, he's, uh, he's having a moment here. But Jesus doesn't condemn him, doesn't reject him, doesn't shame him. But he does challenge him. And there's more challenge in this, apparently, it sounds like it, um, than the other one. And that's good for Thomas. And it's good for all of us that he has unbelief. And we can see Jesus, again, instructing and challenging, but not criticizing, not pushing Thomas away, not pushing the tent away not using any of the devil's like negative motivation methods. He may instruct and challenge, but that's to draw us close and make us stronger. So once again, it's just awesome what we see in Jesus. And in the face of doubt and unbelief, I think that's a great message for a lot of people, whether unbelievers or believers, we can just say, wow, this is how he deals with doubt and unbelief. Whew. And take a breath and know that he's gonna help me with my doubt and my unbelief, which we all have, which I have. And we, we talk to him about the things we don't, we don't believe or we struggle with. And, and he, by his Holy Spirit, helps us. Okay, the takeaway verse is um, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Christ is the image of God. So hit pause, what have you seen in Jesus and what does that reveal about the Father? Talk about that for a moment. I love it because of the way he deals with doubt in Thomas and in the 10. And if Jesus is patient, if Jesus first encourages, peace be with you, and then patiently instructs and then challenges, that means that's the way God deals with doubt and unbelief. He'll encourage us, he'll instruct us, he'll challenge us, right? To get us to grow, but not using any negative motivation uh, from the enemy. And it's just good to know God's 100% good 100% of the time. And then the last thing is the worship without music. I think there's a lot of opportunities here to take this out on a 15 minute prayer walk, maybe with another passage. And I just spend time thinking about it. I'm like, Jesus, I love the fact that you know, you always want people to believe and when somebody's failing right in that central issue and they're just doubting and unbelieving, you're, you're kind, right? And yeah, you challenge too and maybe there's some teeth in that, um, but you're not rejecting Thomas and you're not rejecting the 10. And once again, knowing that you're, you challenge us to grow us, I love that about you. And I, I love knowing that you're always drawing us close and not pushing us away when we sin. And uh, I just tell God, oh, I just want to run to you instead of from you when I sin and, um, and, or when I fail or when I struggle. And when we know who he is, oh, it just makes it so much easier to live life and grow instead of being trapped in the devil's condemnation and the devil's fear, shame, or rejection. And... Um, and then, of course, so great to just worship the Father and say, man, you're the same way. You're just like Jesus. You encourage us and instruct us and challenge us for our good growth and for our families and our friends and where we work. You are awesome. And I want to be just like you. Amen.